The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spark Parade. So glad you could join me. I know you all have very busy schedules, so I appreciate you squeezing me in. So, this week, my guest is Chris Thompson, a very talented playwright, and we're talking about a trio of autobiographical novels by Edmund White, A Boy's Own Story, The Beautiful Room is Empty, and The Farewell Symphony. I hope you like gay stuff. Because this episode is pretty gay. But who doesn't like gay stuff these days, am I right? So, since Chris and I spoke quite a bit about the importance of sex in Edmund White's books, I want to start the show by talking a bit about sex in art. Sex has obviously been present in art either explicitly or implicitly since art has existed. But the spectrum of sexuality that was displayed in art was very narrow until very recently, at least recently in human historical terms. Sexual desire is theoretically limitless. If it exists, someone is probably turned on by it. But the default artistic representation has historically been predominantly young, straight, cis, able-bodied, and resoundingly chaste until the last hundred years, I would say. But since the middle of the last century, sexual expression in art has gradually broadened its boundaries. Representation is a theme that I'm going to keep coming back to in this show because I think it's one of art's most important functions. People seeing themselves reflected in the art and culture they consume is really validating, and sexuality is, for most people, a significant part of what defines them. I can remember reading Armistead Maupin's Tales of the City books as a teenager and finding it so exciting to read matter-of-fact, realistic accounts of gay sex. Reading those stories made me feel included. And when anyone finds those moments where art reflects their desires, it's normalizing. It shows you that there are other people who feel the way that you feel. And knowing that can be a revelation and a huge comfort as well. So enough about sex, on to more sex. Here's my chat with Chris Thompson about Edmund White. Well, the first thing that I wanted to mention is that I've read one and a half of the three books. Uh-huh. Perfect. Um, which is, you know, not as good as three, but better than one. Um, but this is, you don't need to read them all, I don't think. This is about, like, yeah, don't worry about that. And I get the flavor of yeah. the, his writing style. Perfect. I am assuming, first of all, that the reason you wanted to talk about this, the 
biggest influence that his writing has had on you is that in the first book he has several imaginary friends and one of them is named Cottage Cheese. <laughs> that is the only reason. That's also my grinder profile name. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Have we started, by the way? Yeah. Oh, it's Adam, I didn't know. You've got to tell me. Hold on, I'm not ready. It's all happening. <laughs> Start again. You need to count no. me in. All of this is going. All of this is going in. There's no editing. <laughs> Fine, let's carry on. I thought this was a test run. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm here and I'm ready. Um, yes, no, Cottage Cheese isn't my guide to profile. But, uh, um, so which one did you read? You've read Boy's Own Story and a bit of The Beautiful Room is Empty. Yeah, I'm about halfway in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were written like about 10 years apart. Um, mm-hmm. Well, about eight years apart, I think. And then 10 years passed between uh, that one and the, uh, the the Farewell, the second one and then the Farewell Symphony. Yeah. Um, but he was quite old when he wrote um, A Boy's Own Story. I think he was about 40 mm-hmm. uh, when he wrote it. So I think a lot of people think he, he's dead, you know, because it's set in the 50s and, and he, you know, he, it's written at that time. Yeah. Um, did you have you heard of him before? Like, what's your like connection with him being? I only knew. I mean, after you said that's what you wanted to talk about, and I started uh, researching him, I realized that I've had clandestine little flips flips through uh, mm. the uh, the joy of gay sex in yes, bookstores. Yes. Um, when I was a teenager, you know, pulling it over into the corner. My parents had the joy of sex and more joy of sex, like the straight versions. And then yes. I remember being in bookstores and seeing that a gay version existed and just thinking it was like insane. I was like, they allow this in the bookstore? Um, yeah, and it was. I just remember finding it. I found the first one I found was A Boy's Own Story. And I found it on my mum's shelves when I was about 14 years old. Hmm. Uh, and the copy that we had then um, was it, I, uh, p- people who kind of read it, uh, kind of our age group who read it back then will remember the picture on the front of that cover. It's just the most erotic picture of, uh, of just like a young man. Just like it's just, uh, you know, and I was about the same age as him and I just kind of couldn't take my eyes off him. It was really like a really striking image. Uh, and so I kind of flicked through its pages and I, I never read it, but I just, uh, I found all the sex bits and I used to wank off to it all the time. <laughs> um, and that's kind of, and then it, like, it was, took me like at least two years uh, to kind of actually sit down and, and read it. I wasn't so about kind of 17 or 18 that I did kind of, uh, kind of sit down and read the whole book. And I was like, oh my God, there's like other bits that are also uh, really amazing. And it tells, it kind of tells the story of what I was going through at that time. Like the, the boy's own story is about, sexual awakening i think and mm-hmm. and also kind of like the discovery of a sexual identity and uh yeah and i was just i was just, it's going through exactly that kind of thing uh mm-hmm. and uh and uh, kind of reading reading those snippets of the of the of the sex bits at the time and then ever since then i just like at least like five or six times a year i find myself doing something and thinking oh my god i'm in an edward white novel like I just, <laughs> it just gets better the older i get yeah <laughs> I think the coming to terms with your sexuality um, and, uh, you know, the frankness about gay sex is something that all gay men can relate to. Like, it, it felt very familiar and very real. But yeah. also just thinking about him, the, the fact that he grew up in or all the events of the first book, you know, in the 50s and 
the parallels between uh you know the gay experience that i had uh growing up in the 80s and 90s is so similar even though it was a very different time and the public perception of gay people was very different just that there are these kind of universal things about coming out and about uh discovering your sexuality as a gay person that um, yeah it's all in there it's just incredible i remember like well, i think i was about 14 or 15 um like i had a threesome with two guys from my class in in a tent mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, like you know we went over to kind of like camp in their back garden uh and we ended up kind of like that was my first sexual experience um and <laughs> the next day my mum picked me up and i had like both of these guys spunk on my jeans and we drove to like the hardware <laughs> or b and q but like i saw the world suddenly like in high definition like i felt like i was an adult or something had changed in my in my life you know uh and I, I i literally remember going home and then like running to grab a boy's own story once we got back off the shelf and just kind of going like i think i'm in this bit you know it just felt really really similar mm-hmm. the parallels are extraordinary and it's it's i think he writes so truthfully and painfully about love as well like he doesn't let mm-hmm. himself off the hook in the slightest and he He's his writing is kind of it's it, it, it's really kind of uh, joyful, but there's an irony, there's a knowingness to it that he just doesn't take himself too seriously. I think, which is you know, which is really really disarming. It's mm-hmm. so witty and exuberant, but at the same time, like it's just just very insightful and sometimes could really really stab you when he talks about like things about his self-esteem or thinking you know you know and we're talking about the narrator here not Edmund White because it is you know it's an fictionalized version but uh you know when he talks about like his 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 relationship with his looks and you know or the size of his penis or whatever like you know he just goes there and it's Mm -hmm. so brave and and disarming really when you when you read it. It, it it does feel kind of liberating I think yeah. And also the discussion of what it means to have a gay relationship and his striving towards finding someone to love and having a healthy, happy relationship. But, yeah. you know, in the 50s, there were limited options for how gay people could uh, live publicly and always having this kind of dark cloud looming over him of not really wanting to be gay and feeling yeah, yeah, like yeah. being gay was something that was wrong with him, that it was and he a kept condition. trying to change it. Right. And had that awful psychotherapist, O'Reilly, that just yeah. like totally like it's so inappropriate now. Like you wouldn't dare do what what happened to him. But uh in the last one, he talks about gays being oppressed in the fifties, liberated in the sixties, exalted in the seventies, and then wiped out in the in the eighties. And and it, and and he just puts it so bluntly. And it, it really does kind of the the three books just just uh you know uh, talk about that so clearly. And and also then when you equate that with love, like we we have a generation of uh, of gay men that have lived in the shadow of shame and and struggling to find kind of you know like good attachments and 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 uh, you know I don't want to say healthy but you know um, kind of joyful love that isn't associated with shame is is really really hard you know and we and we wonder why uh, you know some some gay men of all age groups like really really struggle with intimacy and I, I think this trilogy is a is a is a is kind of a really good explanation of why um, you're speaking to a man who finds himself back in the dating pool uh, age 38 <laughs> and uh, it's totally fascinating you know like I haven't been single 
uh, for many, many moons or kind of looking for a relationship really because I was in one for a long time. And the last time I was single, like there wasn't internet, wasn't fucking electricity, Adam. Like, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, yeah. like it's just, it's just, and it's really, really interesting. And just kind of like, uh, kind of like meeting men and, and just seeing, uh, kind of have, have some men just kind of, they're just in this swamp of, of shame and guilt that they're not kind of aware of. And some mm-hmm. swim to shore and, some don't you know it's just it's really really uh, interesting and uh, i just always return to the, this this trilogy and i just kind of like it all makes makes sense every time i reread them mm-hmm. and i think the way that he talks about gayness in terms of wanting a relationship or gay sex in a relationship is also kind of juxtaposed with him you know cruising in toilets and um <laughs> the, the really explicit descriptions of his hookups and the amount of sex that he's having. Although he has said that that was massively toned down, that he'd had sex with hundreds of men by the time (laughs) he was 16. And he only put a selection of those moments into this, you know, novelized version of his life because he felt like he was one of two people in the world who could relate to his real experience. And that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is. It is. It, it like it's toned down, but like it isn't. Uh, you know, it, it just still feels kind of there's quite a lot. But like mm-hmm. he must. I don't know like, how he got his degree. That wonderful stuff about like studying Chinese whilst he's in the toilets, like in a toilet stool, waiting to have to have sex in the in the university, and then somebody passing a note, and they'd written. Uh, Did you get to that bit in the beautiful room is empty? Uh-huh. So somebody <laughs> stool next to him wrote on some toilet roll like a checkbox, like yeah. are you top bottom hung or whatever. And passed yeah, it yeah, to yeah. Him. <laughs> and then he just slides it back under without responding and they kind of tut and <laughs> yeah, storm out. It's mm-hmm. so grinder now, isn't it? Like, well, what's <laughs> yeah. <up> here, lol? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for all the woofs. I try to reply to them if I can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's also funny that he thinks of himself as having toned down his life for these books. And there was a, a Wall Street Journal... Um, review of the final book that basically says you know wall street journal is a pretty conservative publication anyway so yeah. that probably has something to do with it but basically just saying this is all about the you know graphic descriptions of the bums that he's seen uh, and the naked men that he's looked at and the sex that he's had and it's not going to appeal to everyone um so it's funny that he thinks it's this chastened toned down version of his life and instead yeah, so like, it would appeal to yeah, everyone yeah <laughs> um, but you know like straight stuff doesn't appeal to anyone that you know you know what it doesn't have to it doesn't have to appeal to everyone right. what's amazing it's the kind of it's the the level of self-revelation that i think is really really brave and that people really respond to because there, there's an insight but there's also uh, an honesty with it and and i think he writes books and really he like, didn't he come, didn't he have, like, an argument with, like, Larry Kramer? Because uh, Larry Kramer wrote, wrote Faggots, which is really polemic and kind of a bit blamey around kind of that sexual behavior, uh, kind of promiscuity. Whereas 
and and I didn't. I, I might be making this up, but there's something about Edmund White uh, and Larry Kramer kind of having uh, a disagreement because Ed, Edmund White seemed to kind of uh, glamorize, romanticize it, or kind of like be nostalgic in a positive way. Was actually. I don't think he does. I just think he describes it in, in in the most beautiful way. And he writes books, and and books aren't supposed to answer to anyone except the book itself. You know, like it's not. It, you know, it doesn't need to have a wider um, uh, kind of a message or, or 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 kind of delivery around it. But it is it is very very graphic and very yeah. funny. But and I, I also don't think that it's glamorizing the sex that he has in any way he is both happy and sad about it and yeah um that's really obvious from his writing but also uh, the another review of the final book um do you like how i just say the final book because i can't remember the name the farewell symphony the farewell symphony (laughs) which is what i was just going to say before you so rudely interrupted me um (laughs) uh kind of having the opposite view of the wall street journal review saying that it's actually really refreshing to have these honest, uh, very explicit descriptions of his the sex that he has. And it was coming at a time when straight authors were kind of veering away from having that kind of explicitness and honesty in their mm-hmm. writing. Um, and he mentioned like Nick Hornby and people like that big straight authors of the day who would kind of close the curtain when there was a sex scene about to happen um, and just move on to the next thing and having someone who's just very blunt, very honest and um, doesn't shy away from this, you know, it's a really important part of his life. Um, Yeah. Well, and all of ours, like it's very, Mm. like so much of our sex is separate from, or we separate sex from so much of our identity, I think, all the time. Uh, and uh, because, like, we have a professional life or, or, or whatever, you know, or we, we don't think it's appropriate to discuss it. And uh, But he just he, he, he just doesn't abide by that at all. And he just puts it all out there. And, and uh, you know, it's... But I, I, that's kind of what's really inspired me in, in kind of my writing as well, I think, is around just... Uh, th- these are the books that really kind of taught me what kind of artist I wanted to be and to feel comfortable with like talking about personal things and uh, you know both in my plays and you know in interviews and podcasts uh, because mm-hmm. it's not there's nothing it's one person you know like you it's, you're looking at the whole person and and really you know like well personal is always polit- polit- political with gays isn't it because you know whatever we do is political because our our sex lives have been politicized so we have to talk about it because you know this it's how we got equality was by uh was by uh, you know fighting for our rights to to uh well love who we want to love although mm-hmm. did, did you see did you get as far as the bit in, um, um uh, i think it's uh, i can't remember which one it is now i think it's the farewell symphony um but he said stonewall was about protecting a cruising place and the only right we wanted to protect was to suck as many cocks as possible <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just wonderful you know it just really kind of it just brings it to this human level and and, and yet there's this huge political uh, kind of moment that the, the second one ends on. You won't you won't have got this far, but this, the beautiful room is en- empty ends on the Stonewall riots, and it just kind of, you know, it's just this breathtaking moment because we all know like how important that, you know, those events were for us, and how that you know it triggered this kind of s- sequence of events that that uh, you know eventually gave us uh, equality and rights and uh, freedom, and uh, that's where that second book uh, book ends. It's it's a really remarkable moment. Well, I'll get there eventually. Stop. 
stop uh, <laughs> plot shaming me. I should say, yeah, plot yeah. spoiler. Uh, in your writing, there yes. is not, uh, at least in your published plays, in the plays that have been yeah. produced, the sexually explicit side of these books is not necessarily as present. You know, there are the, there's definitely discussion of gay sexuality, mm. but um, one of the themes that I found a similarity between these books and, and your writing, um, especially with Of Kith and Kin, is that feeling of shame from growing up gay, from having, mm. you know, heteronormative ideals thrown at you and trying to fit your gayness into that or trying to figure out if it fits in or if it doesn't, how you're going to live outside of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can I can definitely see the parallels there. Yeah, in that, in, in Kith and Kin, there's an age gap, which was really interesting to, to write about because the older character uh, grew up going to bars with blacked out windows, you know, sex in toilets. And I say all this neutrally without any, you know, like negative or positive opinion on it. But he, this character like romanticizes it. And actually, despite all these kind of rights, like the, the right to marry, uh, like he just doesn't, he's not interested because it doesn't mean anything to him because it was never on his radar. And he's going out with someone about 14 years younger than him who has grown up uh, in a very accepting family. Uh, and, and he says of this younger guy, he says of his family, uh, you know, they don't mind I'm gay as long as I'm straight, which which I'm saying is like, as long as he kind of like gets a husband and has children, that mm-hmm. that's fine. And so they kind of come a cropper really because he's, uh, the, you know, he doesn't, he, the older guy, the character's called Daniel, um, he says, like, if you want to know about our history, uh, get on your toilets and uh, get to the toilets and get on your knees at Charing Cross Station because that's our history. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is just like f- absolutely foreign to his younger husband. It's just you know it, he hasn't experienced anything like that, and uh, and and that kind of place, that meeting point of those uh, two generations, it was really really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much of that in Edmund White's books that it's like. There's this point in starting probably in the 60s and um, progressing rapidly from there where gay life has become something that's public. Mm. Um, Learning as individuals, but also as a collective group of gay people, how that public life is going to manifest Mm. um, and what to do with all of the aspects of gay culture that are, you know, like cruising that have been this thing that was necessary, but is meant to be a source of shame. You know, that's, I guess it's kind of mutated mm. into grinder and scruff and, um, yeah. instead of people necessarily having to find places in public to have sex, they can go to each other's flats but it has kind of taken potentially i mean there's loads of still still loads of cruising grounds my friend was telling mm-hmm. me how he almost got arrested the day before yesterday because he was in a cruising ground in, in some toilets and the, and the police came in and this is where i'm in london at the moment so that's where that happened but the, the attitude towards policing has, has changed mm-hmm. so uh, yeah a lot of kind of gay sex i think was was very outdoor and and uh, i've been researching uh for a, a, a the TV show I'm writing about the last two gay men to be hanged for sodomy in England in 1835. Uh, and just Hyde Park has become 
this this fascinating place to me because it was it was a, a place of cruising and uh, through, throughout history, you know. And I go and uh, exercise in, in Hyde Park when I'm in London, uh, and it suddenly has taken on this huge extra history, and it's kind of like my history, you know, mm-hmm. like it's straight. Well, it's you know, it's it's our history as a, as a humanity, but it's really really fascinating that these these places are, are, have you know have got this relationship with 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 gay history and and now you know you don't need to go uh, generally speaking you, you don't need to go to the to the the bushes or or to mm-hmm. the toilets you can if you want lots of people you know still very much enjoy that but grinder has kind of made that or scruff or whatever has made that um not necessarily um uh something you have to do right and that even if there were fetishistic or ritualistic aspects of cruising it was also a necessity because it was the only option. And mm. now it's like mm. the focus really is on uh, fetishism. It's like if it's something that you enjoy and something that, you, yeah. you know, the thing that turns you on is the danger or being in public or whatever. That that's why yeah. people do it now. Um, Certainly in, in countries like the UK and the US. Right. Other parts exactly. Of the world exactly. Where, where rights are and legal rights are different then uh, you know i think i think there's you know there's still a necessity but for mm-hmm. you know for, for countries like ours then uh, absolutely the um, other thing that i uh, that i get obsessed about edmund white is the the process of writing itself like he speaks so openly about uh, failure um like the yearning for success and it's really become like uh, these books again have become like a handbook for me um mm. as a writer going through failures and success and, and how you do that you know it's really really interesting his honesty around um uh he's like his uh his first book and, and and taking on other jobs to 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 pay his way like it's just so i find it so helpful <laughs> like to kind of know that this narrator stroke edmund white um has you know went through a, a similar thing because it's tough being an artist you know to kind of put yourself out there and getting past all the gatekeepers it's a real a, re- a real process and that just lives very very kind of uh strong and and, and vibrantly in in uh, in the in particularly the third book the farewell symphony and it gives me a lot of hope <laughs> yeah but also i think he was writing from a young age but still through his life had a varied career and um you know, studied Chinese and he had a, a journey getting to the point to deciding that he wanted to be writing was his life and that's what he wanted to focus on. Um, and that's a similar thing to what happened to you, I think. Yeah, I yeah, like I was a social worker for a, a long time. Uh, and then um, a, a strange series of events like happened in, in my life. And then I kind of became a writer and, and it was it was about four four years ago now so it's been four years since I've been writing kind of making a living from it and uh, it was really yeah I was a social worker in a in a long-term uh, relationship and then like when you looking back on that time now like I can be I'm really clear kind of on what happened and why and and, uh, and, and what those changes were but at the time like I just had no idea I was just kind of behaving you know and mm-hmm. not really not really sure but I just basically put a bomb under my life and blew the whole thing up and left that relationship left my home and just dragged myself from from the wreckage and at the same time like became a writer and 
really you know and, and i'd underestimated the the huge impact not being a social worker anymore was gonna have on me because it was such a big part of my identity and i didn't really know that you know although i was very proud to call myself a social worker to not have that anymore although it was cool to say i'm, I'm a writer you know like to, to not have that 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 part of me anymore like I, I really really underestimated that and i just got myself to new york and that's when that's when my kind of moving to new york started really was i just i just came and uh, and just got myself there and i just used to walk the streets crying like in absolute agony just cry my eyes out and then in the evenings like going to sex parties and then mm. like the next day and there was just this kind of recovery i remember someone was giving me a blowjob and i was just like crying my eyes out oh, because God. like it wasn't the man i loved you know? yeah. <laughs> and that was another kind of definite like edmund white moment and <laughs> just and then just kind of like new york becoming this place of, of healing for me and that's when that's when i made these decisions around kind of what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do and who, what kind of artist I had to be as well, which was about not being, um, I, 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 I've, I've, this is just my opinion, but I think you'll find, or I, I, I feel that there are writers who kind of hide in their work and they are too afraid to know themselves. And you know that this is happening because you'll will watch their play and their subconscious fears and desires will just do a merry dance in front of you in Act Three. But that writer has absolutely no awareness that that that, that is happening. Uh, and those plays tend to feel very safe and undemanding. And books as well, you know, they're often big hits because they, you know they can be entertaining, but they don't ask anything of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is just my theory. Uh, and. I don't want to be that that kind of writer. For me, it's about it is about self-revelation and ripping off the comforting veil of self-deception uh, and really la- asking those difficult questions and, and, and staring into the light. And it's very interesting. The more I do it, and the more I'm kind of getting an understanding of kind of like what people think about about my writing, like in terms of critics and stuff like that. And actually, you know, all my plays have a, I, I do feel have like a, a, a truth to them. Um, but interestingly, some people find them very, very uncomfortable, uh, and that's that that's kind of quite revealing, you know, in itself. So you kind of that is a decision because I, I feel kind of like I've traded off maybe what writing like big hit safe shows to kind of like to keep myself true to who I want to be as an artist and and when I lose sight of that when I lose my way it's always kind of Edmund White that I return to and I just think wow like he you know he did it he stayed really true to himself and 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 and, and wrote what he wants to write and beautifully you know he mm-hmm. writes so so beautifully um uh, and and that's really kind of how I've ended up in 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 the situation of just kind of finding out about who I am because I think you have to ask you you have to ask yourself the difficult questions and that means learning things about yourself that you don't like uh, and then to kind of then write about that and put that out there mm-hmm. is a, there's a there's a kind of a process to it really so yeah and I mean I think a, a difference between your work and his work is that his is very specifically about the gay experience almost yeah. exclusively I think he, he wrote maybe one book about straight people yeah, um, no, I think so. But your work, it does feel like you've drawn on your experiences as a gay person and the influence of people like Edmund White, but also I can see the influence of social work um, and, you know, experiencing other people's lives. And do you do you feel like social work has had a big 
influence on your writing or absolutely yeah it's immeasurable really like if if i'm a, if i'm a good writer who knows if i am but it's because of all those years in in social work because I mean, I didn't. I couldn't be a writer when I was 21. I wouldn't have had anything to say. Like I'd lived mm. a life by the time I was 21. Like I definitely, you know, I'd been around the block by then and <laughs> and mm. uh, got myself into a fair share of scrapes. And you know, we all have a, an upbringing. So, but I, 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 I didn't have the confidence to to write then. I wouldn't have ever thought that I could I could do that. I, I thought of theatre and TV and film as this thing that like other people did. Uh, so people were really surprised when I became a social worker because I was the kid that was always into drama at school but it, it really was the making of me because you it's not about you for a start like it just isn't about you mm-hmm. uh, and uh, which is a good way to kind of like ignore your problems because you're always dealing with with people that are worse off than you um, but you you get this insight into people's lives and, and it's a very privileged position to be in and you see people at their best and you see people at their worst and interestingly that's often at the same time and you see the, the people's extraordinary capacity to to cope and to sometimes change, but change is very very hard. And and social work is about change, and, and so is theatre really. You know, characters have to change in that. So so it really did give me an insight into human behaviour. And 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 the, you know, one of the reviews that upset me the most, and I tend not to. Uh, you know, bother with them really because critics don't reveal anything about your work. They just reveal, reveal stuff about themselves. Mm-hmm. But one of the one critic said uh, one of my characters wasn't believable, and that really did make me angry because I just thought, no, I don't think you do get to tell me that. Like that's the one thing. <laughs> that's the one thing. I know is about kind of human behavior because I've studied it and worked in social work. You know, on on the coalface of you know doing child protection and. All, all, all different times so so yeah that kind of like ability to find a human truth and, and the psychological accuracy and 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 and, and, and truth of, of, of those people uh it all comes from social work you know i think my humor comes from social work i've got a bit of gallows humor and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like not afraid of a bit of gritted teeth peek through your 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 fingers humor mm-hmm. and i think that the joy comes from it as well because you just have to love people because even really really you know if that kid that's just doing your head in like you kind of just have to to like just feel the joy of it and enjoy the kind mm-hmm. of the bonkersness of it otherwise like you're you're dead really so yeah, uh, yeah social work for me is just it's i still consider myself a social worker in 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 many ways i don't do it but um it's just it's such a big part of me that i've kind of reconciled with myself that i don't have to say i'm not one anymore i can you know because any anything that's ever written about me in the press is like ex-social worker <laughs> and i'm yeah. like oh my yeah God, yeah <laughs> That was twelve years of me in, uh, in in London. So, but now I just think it's it's part of who I am. I don't try and separate the two because uh, I don't need to. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today and giving all of my ones of listeners an insight into your writing. It's been a pleasure. Um, where can people find you if they want to find you? Um. Grinder? No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, my website is uh, so I I currently split my time between uh, London and New York, but uh, looking to move to New York permanently as soon as possible. But my website is www.christhompsonwriter.com. So www.christhompson.com 
with a P, writer.com. Uh, and am I on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Let me just remind myself what my uh, Twitter handle is. I mainly just tweet about share. I've got to be honest. Like, <laughs> I just, not that like uh, involved in uh, in uh, in Twitter. Uh, but my Twitter handle is Lucris underscore T. So L E C H R I S underscore T. And I'm on Instagram as well. But like you know, that's just. Uh, pictures of me wearing share t-shirts so that's probably we can all uh, we can all skip that one <laughs> <laughs> never that's that sounds like the most important part <sighs> the place where i put my intellectual life twitter is really not not that for me <laughs> yeah um all right well thank you very much oh adam it's been a real pleasure thank you i've enjoyed uh, enjoyed our conversation and uh yeah see you soon yay that was fun thanks again to chris Please seek out his plays because his writing is absolutely incredible. So now my art recommendations of the week. Yes, right? First up is the TC Cannon show at the Museum of the American Indian in New York. Um, It's a retrospective of about 80 pieces across a few different media, but his paintings really stood out for me. They are absolutely incredible. Lots of bold, bright colors and his work merged aspects of native life with pop art and popular culture. So if you're in New York, you should definitely head down there. Um, And I've got a couple of song recommendations too. Woohoo! Amber Mark, who I love and you should love too, has released a new single called Mixer and I love it. It's cute and summery and poppy and you should listen to it. And also Parcels, Uh, They're an Aussie band who are based in Berlin, and they've worked with Daft Punk. Um, Their latest single is great, too. It's called Tape, and it's cute and summery and poppy. And hopefully you'll like that one, too. I I know taste is subjective, but give those songs a whirl, and maybe you'll get a kick out of them. Who knows? You gotta roll the dice on this one, folks. And that, my friends, is that. Follow me on social media at The Spark Parade. Tell your friends and neighbors... Rate and review, please, please, pretty please, and thank you. All right, till next week, bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.